What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. We are on to week 17, of course, after the Saints and Dolphins get it on on Monday Night Football. What am I saying, Chris? I'm sorry. I'm, uh... It's to a tongue of Iloa. Yeah. Ian Book next <laughs> Thank on you. Monday Night Football. Uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's, uh, it's a weird time. I, I think... I'm excited about week 17. I'm a little nervous to see who's going on the COVID list in the coming days. It's going to be kind of hectic. But I think, you know, right now, the Chiefs offense gets back on track. The Cowboys offense gets back on track. Uh, The Bills offense is clicking. Josh Allen just put up a huge game against the Patriots. I do feel like we're mostly going to start the guys that you know, that we've been starting most of the year. We're not going to be worried about stud players too much this week. And that's hopefully what it should be, right? And you're going to be a lot of stud players playing in Week 17. And there will be, of course, plenty of difficult start-sit decisions. But I'm glad to see some offenses starting to get back on track. And we start with the Dallas game, so that's kind of where I was going with that. Yeah, Dallas. I mean, actually, the offense was just kind of like... Obviously, the offense was great, but the fantasy offense, like it's not like CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper had huge games. It was. Oh, well, Cooper, little... Cooper did. Cooper did. Cooper. Okay. Yeah. Fine. 785. Fine, touch. Adam. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a, you know, it was a great game for Dak Prescott. It was a, you know, another game where Ezekiel Elliott defied the odds and the haters and had a decent fantasy game. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think you feel fine about them. Like, I don't think CeeDee Lamb or Amari Cooper can be viewed as wide receiver ones at this point, but it's only one more week, so it doesn't. this point doesn't really matter. You're starting them, probably. You're definitely starting CeeDee Lamb, I think. But, yeah, I, I feel good about Dallas's offense. It's a good offense. Well, it was just nice to see them really flowing. At Washington's defense, they've had a tough time recently with all the COVID cases and all of the injuries and those types of things. But and I guess, you know, to be fair, they didn't exactly do a bad job against the run. That's kind of been... Their hallmark all year. They've been a very good, very good run defense. And yeah. they, they gave up a touchdown to Zeke, but they did a nice job against Zeke and Pollard. Uh, but yeah, it was great to see Dak get going and score thirty-nine points, and then eight more from Cooper Rush. So it was just I mean, a huge thirty-nine game points play. in basically a half. It was incredible. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. What was the score at halftime? It was forty-two to seven at halftime. Yeah. And Trayvon Diggs shadowing Terry McLaurin. That was really interesting. Um, before we get to Washington, let's just finish up on Dallas here. One thing about Lamb, Chris, he is playing so much more in the slot now. He's mm-hmm. he's almost exclusively a slot receiver. And I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but well, maybe that's tied to his lower production. I, I want to see him play all over the field. It's kind of a bad thing in that he's playing fewer snaps. I mean, early in the season, he was playing, you know, 80%, 87% most weeks. And, you know, the last three weeks in particular, he's been below 75%. Now, yesterday's game being such a blowout, it's it's hard to know what to make of those snap counts. Um, and obviously, there's been like the COVID situation and, and, and stuff in there that, you know, could explain some of it. But yeah, like, this was part of the problem last season where he was coming off the field sort of regularly. Um, I don't think it's a problem in that, like I'm not worried about CD lamb not being worth starting this week, but this is playing into, I think part of why he hasn't been necessarily like the elite number one wide receiver that people were necessarily hoping for coming into the season. So would you start a Monroe St. Brown against Seattle or would you start CD lamb against Arizona? Uh, there's no way I can sit CeeDee Lamb for Amon Ross St. Brown. Okay. I, I feel like we're going to have a lot of arguments about Amon Ross St. Brown in the offseason. Um, and I will be on the he's not that good side of it. Obviously, the role being what it is right now, I think he is close to a must start. And hopefully you don't have to make a decision between CeeDee Lamb and Amon Ross St. Brown because I would imagine they'll both be top 15 wide receivers in my rankings. All right, uh, so Ezekiel Elliott is, I know Chris is going to start him with confidence. Arizona, bad run defense. Uh, It's really more about whether or not he scores at this point. But also, it's just hard to look at the Cowboys' stats because they sat so much in this game, but only 10 touches. That's unusual for him. Uh, For Washington, again, with Gibson, you know, I didn't see anything about it, but I just have to assume that the score contributed to him only getting eight touches. Well, and the toe right you know if it was a closer game i'm sure he would have had a bigger role but with the game out of reach so quickly yeah he barely played in the second half it was all him in the first half basically when you look at the touches so i I think that's encouraging he had the receiving touchdown and they get the eagles next week they just played the eagles and he had 15 carries for 26 yards and a touchdown but he did have six catches so if he's healthy he's much more of a ppr play how do you feel about McLaurin going up against the Eagles and Darius Slay? And he was terrible against the Eagles. He did have a, one long catch against the Eagles, but uh, they had they had no Heineke in that game. They had Garrett. Who was it that game? Was it Garrett Gilbert? That was Gar- Garrett Gilbert's yeah. start. Um, and it was that Tuesday or Monday start that got delayed. So yeah, it was. I, you can't feel good about Terry McLaurin at this point. He's a wide receiver three with boom potential every week because he's still getting downfield targets. He's still the number one target there, but. I mean, he hasn't had more than six targets in a game since week 12. He hasn't had more than 51 yards in a game since week 11. It's been a disappointing season. And when you're talking about Dynasty, I think he's a really interesting player because he's about to be 27 at the start of next season. And he's kind of settled in as just like a wide receiver too over the course of three seasons. There's a lot of extenuating circumstances that go into that, obviously, but I don't know. If they don't get a serious upgrade at wide receiver, McLaurin is potentially a sell in Dynasty right now. Yeah, a quarterback you meant, yeah. Yeah, a quarterback, sorry. And speaking of Washington quarterbacks, it looks like two of them two of them are going to play. Just seeing now Ron Rivera saying that uh, Taylor Heineke will likely start, but Kyle Allen will 
probably oh, Heineke will start, but Kyle Allen will probably play next week. All right, and then we could... It doesn't make you feel any better about McLaurin. It doesn't, and I wonder if there's any interest in Ricky Seals-Jones or John Bates for next week. Probably not. They are facing the Eagles, and it is... Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, Evan Ingram with this garbage-time touchdown catch, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Every week it's a tight end, but I don't know who it would be. You know, Bates played, got all of his production basically at the end of the game. Yeah, he's he did play 75% of snaps yesterday. Um Ricky Seals Jones played 45%. I don't know how much what the split of that was in the first and second half, but yeah, it's um I, I'm not sure I would want to trust either, but I think they they might both be in the top 24 just because of the matchups, just probably, you know, 20 to 24. I think uh, we'll have a an interesting discussion about Dalton Schultz next week. He is on fire right now, but Arizona has been great against tight ends this year, but uh, he's going to be a start. It's going to be a matter of who do you start him over. Yeah. Don't forget to read the newsletter, cbssports.com slash newsletters. You can see all of our newsletters. The Fantasy Football Today newsletter is written by Chris Towers. It's straight into your inbox eight times a week. Injuries, starts, sits, anything that is relevant, you're going to find in that newsletter. It's all free, cbssports.com slash newsletters. News and notes. We know James Robinson tore his Achilles. X-rays. Yeah, it stinks. Uh, X-rays were negative on Clyde Edwards-Elair's collarbone. And so the first topic that we're going to have today is who is the best waiver wire running back to pick up. So we're going to be looking at Jacksonville. We're going to be looking at Kansas City. We're going to be looking at Philadelphia for the most part. Um, Jarek McKinnon. Although Miles Sanders may play. I know. That's, and that's part of the discussion. So he has a broken hand. Jordan Howard, a stinger. And that's going to make things very annoying, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we'll see. Adam Thielen left in the second quarter. K.J. Osborne could be out there. He could be a good option at Green Bay. Daryl Henderson left with a knee injury. We'll talk about Sonny Michelle later. On his, what, first touch? I know he only had one. So Third <laughs> snap and his first touch. Yeah, that's, that's uh, a bummer. Sonny Michelle, a big winner yesterday, even without the Henderson injury. Yeah, right. He was dominating the carries regardless. Allen Robinson is going to uh, return this week facing the Giants. Baltimore cornerback Anthony Averett left. He's one of their few experienced guys. He might play this week. We got we got a lot of offensive line issues for the Colts. Hopefully yeah. they can get the interior of their line back. Uh, but Quentin Nelson, I believe he's not eligible to play next week, this week, right? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I'll look that up. Yeah, look it up. I thought that's what I saw, that he was unvaccinated. Ah. So let me make sure. And left tackle Eric Fisher left on Saturday. So did Nelson's backup, Chris Reed. And now Braden Smith, another starting offensive lineman. He's on the reserve COVID list. Ryan Kelly was out for personal reasons. Hopefully he can come back. Tragic situation for him. Um, so they have a pretty beat-up line. They are facing Las Vegas. I don't think it's going to change any of your decisions. But if you have Jonathan Taylor, you certainly want some of these guys back. And uh, the Rams lost a pretty important piece, linebacker Ernest Jones, as they face Baltimore this week. They also lost uh, center Brian Allen. And we're going to have a lot more news coming in throughout the week. Okay, then. Let's get to our five big topics. Hey, what's going on? Let's bring in Jacob Gibbs. What's up, Gibbsy? What's up, man? Got another Chiefs win. Yeah, you're loving it. Is that a Chiefs, just a Chiefs sweatshirt or just the coincidence of, of the color? Okay, no, yeah, yeah. No. It'd be a pretty 
See, that would be a very cool sweatshirt if it wasn't a Chief sweatshirt. It was just yellow and red. It just happened to be a coincidence, and you found it. Did you ever have a starter jacket? You guys too young for starter jackets? Too young. I definitely had a Dolphin starter jacket at one point when I was a kid, but I, I don't know where it is. Oh, that's probably wouldn't fit. You could probably anymore. sell that thing. I mean, my fit Azer. <laughs> they go for a. I mean, they like. I've looked into buying like an old school starter jacket, and they're expensive. Man. Where should I go? Should I try eBay? Uh, yeah, yeah, probably eBay or thrift stores. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, can't find any. Uh, Quinn Nelson was not vaccinated at the start of the season. I do not know about now. So. That one's kind of up in the air at this point. Some Somebody around the Colts will hopefully report that. Uh, let's see if I can get a Kansas City Chiefs starter, ja- uh, starter jacket on eBay. Let's see how much it's going for. We'll get this for Jacob for his for his Christmas. I'm gonna, I would be surprised if you could find an adult one for under $100. i am seeing 120 bucks. I got $90, yep. bucks, but it, no, this isn't a starter jacket. Yeah, $120. Bucks. All right. Wow. Merry Christmas, Jacob. <laughs> no, you're not getting that. Uh, our five big topics. Number one, who is the best waiver wire running back this week? Chris, you wrote an early waiver wire story, so who who do you think the best one is? I think, based on what we know right now, I'm not particularly interested in any of them. Um, but... Ooh. I mean, like <laughs> it's it's Dario Gumbawale in the worst offense in the NFL, and he's not, I don't think, a good player. Um, he averaged 11 PPR points per game in his two starts last season. Or you've got what seem to be clear splits in Kansas City and Philadelphia. My, my gut would be that Boston Scott should be the, the number one priority, but he also only scores touchdowns against the New York Giants. That's true. <laughs> Um, and he had the New York Giants yesterday, so he's not going to face well, them again in Week 17. He scored twice against the Lions, right? Yeah, he did. Uh, sure, they yeah. had four. No, that was just a joke. Yeah, but um, it's it's there's some truth to it. He's killed the Giants. It's weird. Um, but with Jordan Howard dealing with a stinger, maybe he's limited. Maybe he's not able to play. Then I think Boston Scott, you know, likely does become the lead back. Although I don't think he would just be the only back. We'd see plenty of Kenneth Gainwell as well, but. Yeah, I think if you have to pick right now as of Monday afternoon, Boston Scott looks like the best option. I think I might prefer Daria Gumbawale to either of the Kansas City Chiefs guys, and that's just mostly a usage thing. He should get a ton of of work, including in the passing game, whereas I think Darrell Williams and Derek Gore are likely to split work. I don't think this is going to be a situation like Darrell Williams was in earlier in the season where he was getting you know, a majority or a, a lion's share of the work. And so why though, by the way, Darrell Williams is 85% roster, which kind yeah. of hurts this discussion. Cause I would like to add him and we'll talk about him anyway. He might be available in your league, but, but I'm curious about that uh, because, well, there, because was game, doing much, there was only one game. There was only one game where Derek Gore really had any significant work. It was that giants game on Monday night mm-hmm. uh, in those five games earlier this year, when Clyde Edwards either missed the games Daryl Williams was the number four running back in fantasy. He was not close to that per game. He was 14th and non. He was 12th in PPR. Still, he was terrific. Uh, not every week, but overall, he was terrific filling in. So I, I guess I'm just curious, why do you think Gore would have a role this time around when he didn't last time around? Uh, because he's had a, more of a role of late, even with both Daryl Williams and Clyde Edwards-Elair active. 
you know, obviously not in week 15. He didn't play a snap, but weeks 14 and 16, uh, he played at least 28% of the snaps in both games, had at least nine targets. So I just, I do think he's earned a bigger role. At least maybe nine. he had at least what? Nine, what? Nine carries and 28% oh. of the targets. Now, one of those was a, a big blowout with both Williams and Edward Delaire healthy, and then Edward Delaire left yesterday's game. But I just, I have to imagine he's earned a bigger role. And it's not like Daryl Williams was like so impressive in that time, especially as a rusher. I think Derek Gore has looked a little better as a rusher in the opportunities that they've had. Uh, Williams mm-hmm. will get goal line work, and I think he'll get passing game work. Um, I guess I would rather we'll, – we'll see what the rankings look like. I guess I would rather start him than Darrell Williams. Um, Who, but, Gore yeah. than Williams? No, 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 Darrell Williams. You'd rather start – Him than Boston Scott, excuse me. Oh, okay. My brain gets messed up sometimes. Boston Scott, what you're saying you, – let's say Miles Sanders is out. Who's number mm-hmm. one? I think Darrell Williams probably. You'd rather start Darrell Williams than okay. You'd rather start Darrell Williams than an Eagles running back. Is what you're saying? I think if so. Sanders, yes. okay. All right, Jacob. How about you? Uh, yeah, I think what Chris said makes sense. I think Williams would probably be the top guy, but like you alluded to, he's not going to be available in most leagues. Um, I think Scott would be my clear next preference. Although the usage for Darry Agungbowa was really, really good. Um, he played over ninety percent of the snaps. I want to say after Robinson went down and. Mm-hmm. Ran a route on 25 of 32 dropbacks, uh, which is a 70% round involvement rate. And so, like, I tweet out the running back round involvement rates each week, and that normally would lead like the entire running back position most weeks. And I'll point um, out, he had 14 carries in each of his two starts last season with 12 targets in two starts. So, the the usage, there is evidence of his usage being that obviously it's a different coaching staff, but um, you know he is a a guy that has earned a lot of trust in the passing game in the past. So yeah. well, he better get have it a role there because they're facing the Patriots and yeah. they could obviously lose by, I mean, they could lose by 30, <laughs> but they're yeah. favored. They're 15 point dogs. Yeah. Uh, Jacob continue though. What were you going to say? I, I think he's someone that you can pick up and feel reasonably confident starting. Um, if, you know, if it, we're looking at the same type of situation where he should, you know, be seeing a ton of targets and routes um, while playing from behind, like we talked about there. I think there's more upside with somebody like Boston Scott um, for sure, just you know because of the limitations of Jacksonville's offense. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think I would probably order Daryl and then Scott and then Dare. Um, don't have really much interest in Derek Gore. I think his involvement has mostly just been because of the blowouts and kind of weird uh, game scripts that he's got involved in. But he has looked good, and like Chris said, I mean he has played well, so it's possible that he gets more. You know, but. I think what we saw previously was mostly that it was Daryl's job when, when Clyde went down. Let's give a few numbers here. We look at Agumba Wale and what you might expect in terms of carries or touches. Well, the last two games since Urban Meyer got fired, it's been about 18 to 20 carries for the lead running back. Uh, Robinson had 18 carries two weeks ago, and last week Robinson had three, and then Agumba Wale had 17. So that's great. One of those games was a blowout loss. Uh, that was the Houston game. Seven games James Robinson has played in which they have lost by 14 or more points, and he had more than 30 rushing yards only twice. Now he left one of them with an injury. The carries there, there were you know there was an 18 carry game against Houston, 18 carry game against Tennessee. Uh, uh, no, actually, uh, yeah, yeah, Houston Tennessee, but there were, the carries were not great. Now Carlos Hyde was a factor there, so I think we're probably thinking, well, Wally might get 
almost all of the running back touches. Yeah. And that means, regardless of the score, it could be 15 to 20 touches. Uh, mm-hmm. And the Patriots' run defense is really not that good. 4.56 yards per carry to running backs is bad. Fourth most receiving yards per game allowed to running backs. Um, I guess I just worry that it's just one of those games where the, I mean, the Jaguars. Maybe I'm exaggerating here, but they could have they could have fewer than 200 total yards. I mean, they could just get absolutely yeah. killed by this defense. And well, they're that bad. And the Patriots like defense that, against that can the rookie quarterback. Against any you know? defense, not just New England's. This is. This is a really, really terrible offense for the most part. Like, uh, yeah, they had eight, 384 yards yesterday, but that was against the Jets. And I then you compare that you. No, you're right. Then you compare that to the Eagles, right? You start with that Detroit game eight weeks ago. That's when they decided let's go really run heavy. Let's change our offense. Mm-hmm. They're six and two. They've got all six wins coming by more than ten points. Four wins coming by 15 or more points. They're facing Washington. It's a. It's probably going to be a win if I had to guess on the road. But it's you know they just beat them uh, with a third string quarterback. They are the, favored. The running backs for the Eagles in this eight game stretch. I love this. Just the running backs, not even Jalen Hurts. They are averaging 30 carries, 153 yards, 1.1 touchdowns per game. So. If Sanders is out, we haven't talked about Jordan Howard. He's absolutely in this mix because yeah. he's probably going to get 12 carries even if even if uh, Sanders plays. And I don't know, 30, it's actually 30.5 carries per game and over five yards per carry. That's what the running backs are averaging yeah. in those eight games. So, And, and listen, this, the Washington run defense, like I said earlier, it's really good. But the team that has had the most success against them was the Eagles two weeks ago? I think the Eagles are at a point uh, where you just don't worry about the matchup so much. The running game, they're so committed to it. They're so effective yeah. running the ball in, in so many different ways. It's not just the read option. You know, they're, they're, they're be, They've been a really, really effective rushing game, no matter who's had the ball. Miles Sanders, when he's been in, has been awesome. When he's been out, they've still been effective rushing the ball. So... The only question for me with Boston Scott and Jordan Howard is who gets the most carries, who gets the goal line work. I would think Jordan Howard gets goal line work. Yeah. But Boston Scott got a, a goal line touchdown yesterday, and he's been in that role before. We've seen Kenny Gainwell come in for goal line work. So that part of the problem is I just I think it's unpredictable. Like I think the overall production will be there, but the specifics of the of who's going to get it are going to be unpredictable enough where I I don't know if I would rank any of them as like RB2s. All right, so final, to sum it up, uh, both Eagles running backs are available. Derek Gore is available and Daria Gumbawale. Jacob, who are your top two? Uh, Scott and uh, Gumbawale. My top two? Same. Yeah. yeah. If Howard plays, I think Howard is ahead of Scott. I think we've really? seen that. Yeah, I think we've seen that because he has been the one who's been the one two punch with Miles Sanders, where yeah. Scott really hasn't had much of a role. And then in the three games that Sanders missed, Scott either had uh, Howard either had the same amount or more carries than Boston Scott in every game. So I've really mm-hmm. seen it as Sanders is number one on the depth chart, Howard's number two, and Scott's number three. I mean, that's kind of the way it's, it's looked anyway. I think they'll split carries pretty much. Oh, they will. Yeah. It might be like uh, 16 to 13 or something. Yeah. All right, Jamal Jamal Williams is going to be part of this, but he's 73% roster, and we got waiver wire show tomorrow. Let's go to our next questions from Neil Slayton. Who will be the surprise player to win people championships this year? 
Last year, I won because of the Nelson Aguilar suggestion from someone. I don't know who it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's... um. You know what? I think Josh Palmer is a good <laughs> choice for this question. Um, mm, what if everyone's he back? He scored... He scored a, well. Mike Williams, I believe, is unvaccinated. So how he do you, is what do you have like the database? Well, no, I'm just <laughs> based on what I've seen. Um, how do you see all this stuff? Good for you. But I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure on any of these because it's not there is not like a database. Um, but if Mike Williams is out, um, Josh Palmer scored a touchdown in the game that Keenan Allen missed. He scored a touchdown in the game that Josh that Mike Williams missed. I think he's a pretty good player. Um, so yeah, I think Josh Palmer has a chance to be that. And I, I think Isaiah McKenzie, uh, we know, we do know Cole Beasley yes. and, and Gabriel Davis, and Both. Gabriel Davis. Yes. They will not be playing in week 17. I saw the database uh, on that one. So, uh, yeah, I think Isaiah McKenzie is in a great spot. They, he actually, I think he was second on the team in routes run, but it was like 42 out of 49 pass plays or something like that. He was on the field a lot. They looked to him a lot. He's certainly a more dynamic and explosive player than Cole Beasley. So you don't want to overreact too much to one game, but I think Isaiah McKenzie, the the usage that he had yesterday was very encouraging. And I think he could be that guy if you're looking for like a wide receiver three or four. And the Buffalo is facing Atlanta. Jacob, who's your surprise guy? Uh, McKenzie was one of them. We've, I mean, we've seen two times now um, in the past couple of years where he's like actually got extended um, opportunity and he's played really well in both those games. 11 for 125 yesterday and then last year he had a game where he went six for 65 with two touchdowns. Um, and his rates are pretty decent in terms of his ability to draw targets. Um, and so I think he's exciting. Another guy who um, is going to be, you know, contingent on his teammates' health is Braxton Berrios, um, who had sure. a big kickoff return. Um, and like, you talk about like <laughs> per route rates, Braxton Berrios is insane. I don't, it kind of has flown under the radar because he hasn't really run enough routes to qualify. But um, over the past two seasons, he ranks ninth among 114 qualified receivers in targets per route run rate. Wow. Um, yeah, just below Debo Samuel and above Justin Jefferson and Tyree Kill. <laughs> <laughs> Braxton um, Berrios, sure. All right. And, uh, and he's 28th in yards per route run um, among 114 receivers during that time. So it's not like, I mean, you, I, I would not have expected that. You know, I was like, okay, he draws targets at a high rate. No surprise. He's running these really short routes. Um, who else are the Jets going to throw to? But the efficiency on those targets really surprised me, P- playing for the Jets and running such short routes. He's actually been pretty efficient with with his targets. Um, and then he's playing a Tampa Bay defense that just funnels targets to the slot in the short area of the field. So I think he's somebody who honestly is like a priority add if uh, if Elijah Moore is not going to be back and if, you know, James Crowder is not going to be back. Um, and then the other guy is Moali Cox. Um, Jack Doyle got hurt yesterday, and I don't know if he's going to be back for week 17. And Cox, um, Moali Cox ended up playing 91% of the snaps and ran around on 23 of 31 dropbacks. Um, and he's another player who has been pretty dang efficient when he's been given opportunity. He ranks um, – and the same, same same thing as Barris. We don't have a large enough sample size this year, so I just took the past two seasons. Um, and during that time, he ranks ninth among 47 qualified tight ends in yards per hour run rate and is 18th in target per hour run rate. Um, obviously always a threat to score in the red zone as well. So those would be my two guys, along with McKenzie. And the Raiders, that's Mo Ali Cox's matchup, give right. up the third most fantasy points to tight ends. They have struggled. They did not struggle this past week against Noah Fant, but um, he still managed to get three catches for 30 yards in a terrible game for the offense. They've actually been a lot better lately, but giving up some a fair share of touchdowns. 
Uh, all right, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, we will debate Sony Michelle against the Ravens or Rashad Penny against the Lions. We'll talk about tight ends in 2022. And, well, I just figured it's a, it's a day that ends with why, and we're talking football. We might as well talk about the Broncos' backfield. We'll be right back. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. All right, we got two players who are late-season risers who are helping you get to the fantasy finals and maybe win a fantasy championship. Zach wants to know, this week, week 17, Sony Michelle or Rashad Penny? And Michelle, in his last four games, he is averaging 4.75 yards per carry. He has 18 or more carries in each game. The Rams are 4-0. He will get one of the better run defenses, though, in the Baltimore Ravens. Penny has 135 or more yards in two of his last three games, and he's facing the Lions, who give up the third most fantasy points to running backs and 15 rushing touchdowns in 15 games to running backs. Jacob, you're up first. Uh, Michelle at the Ravens or Penny against the Lions? Uh, I don't think it's much of a debate, really. I, I think it's easily Sony Michelle. Um, his usage is way better, and then also his offense is, is way better. Of course, the matchup is great for Penny, um, and like it's well within Penny's range of outcomes to outscore Michelle. Um, he does have upside, but like we saw ninety percent snap rate for Sony last last week. He has seventy four percent route involvement rate uh, compared to. I mean, Penny only ran eleven routes, and that's been kind of consistent. They're kind of taking him off the field on passing downs. He had a thirty seven percent route involvement rate, fifty five percent snap rate, and that was in a game that they were pretty much leading throughout. Um, which I would expect them to be against Detroit too, but still it's just, it seems like there's a clear cap on his route involvement and the amount that he's going to play, which kind of caps his carries as well. Um, whereas we don't have that with Sony. Um, so I think much safer play is Sony. And I think he also brings similar, if not higher upside, just because the Rams bring so much scoring upside compared to Seattle's offense. Yeah. I mean, if Paul, if Baltimore's defense is still missing as many starters as they have been the last couple of weeks, I don't necessarily think you should worry about the Ravens slowing the Rams offense down much. I think the the bigger mm-hmm. concern would be, you know, does Matthew Stafford do the dumb mistake thing that he did three games in a row earlier in the season? Does he do it two and two games in a row this week, this year, or 
does he just leave it to week 16 where he had the three interceptions? Because that was really what held the Rams offense back yesterday, if anything did. I think Michelle is pretty much locked into 20-ish carries, certainly 20-ish touches. Uh, I, uh, what if they lose? What if Lamar Jackson comes back? What if they're trailing? Because it, and this is, I, I mean, I think this would be an easy he's one. He's still running a ton of routes. Right. Yeah, even when Daryl Henderson was active in week 16 or 15 and played uh, most of the game or was active for the whole game, I think Michelle still ran 64% of the routes. So... I don't really think he's all that game script dependent. I guess we haven't seen him in a significant role in a game that they've lost. No, but we have um, seen Henderson, and he had three to five catches in all four of their losses. Yeah, so I, I think Sonny Michelle's just going to kind of be used in that same way. The, the way the Rams have worked is when they've had a lead back, they've had a lead back, and that lead back's gotten you know about 80% of the snaps most weeks. So I think Sonny Michelle's going to be in that role. He's in a good offense, and... I think he's going to get, I mean, what's the floor? Like, is he going to get less than 15 carries? Well, look, I I know you can say that. I get it. I get it. But let's just look at the last four running backs who have faced, who have gotten significant carries against the Ravens. Najee Harris had 21 carries for 71 yards. Uh, Nick Chubb had 17 carries for 59, 59 yards. Aaron Jones had 13 carries for 58 yards. And Joe Mixon had 18 carries for 65 yards. So they have, I mean, I know Harris has been an inefficient running back all year, but they're facing some great running backs. Sure. And other than Jones, I mean, they're really smothering them. Now, Mixon did score the touchdown, and he had the work in the passing game. A.J. Dillon scored a rushing touchdown. They're not, they're not impenetrable, but they are a much tougher matchup just on the ground sure. than the Lions. So that's I, the only reason why this is a, a close one for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, I, I just think with the passing game role that he's likely to have, uh, it's certainly relative to Rashad Penny. And the the touchdown chances that he's going to have in that yeah. offense, I just, I I would have to go with Sony Michelle. I think he's going to be a borderline RB one. I think Penny is more like an RB two, probably in the mid to lower range, even against a matchup like this, just because, you know, the the limitations of his role, like like Jacob talked about, he he kind of has to have a really really good rushing game in terms of his efficiency, because we've also only seen him get. Was it 17 carries is the most he's had since he became the lead back, and that's including a game against Houston, where they led by t- when they won- where they won by 20, and he only had 16 carries. So, I just I think there's probably a cap on how many touches he's likely to get. And look, like this is the kind of thing that can blow up in your face with like Damian Harris last week or, uh, in week 16, who the the Patriots had under 300 yards of total offense. They were in a negative game script all week, and he still scored three touchdowns and had a huge game. That can happen with a player like Rashad Penny, but you kind of need that touchdown to really have a very good fantasy game. Oh, you, I think. Well, it okay if they both win. Like if if he's not involved in the passing, because you can talk about all the routes he runs. He's not catching the ball, Sonny Michelle. They're very similar in the sense that they both need a touchdown. Right, because you look at the last four games that Michelle has played. When he scored a touchdown, he's been incredible. Sure. When he hasn't scored a touchdown, he's been fine. So they've been the same. The advantage that Michelle has is that if they are trailing, especially with Henderson, I mean, he's probably going to catch three to five passes. That's great. Yep. And in 15 games, the Rams have run 112 more plays than the Seattle Seahawks. Well, and, <laughs> I, so I guess I'll put it this way: there are there's a few paths for Rashad Penny to have a really good game. He could have 150 yards rushing. He could find the end zone once or twice, but that's kind of it. 
Whereas there are different ways, depending on different game scripts, I think, for Sony Michelle to have a very good fantasy game. All right. I, I think that's the way I would put it. Let's go to our next question here uh, from Freefall. Tom Petty. Top five tight ends in 22 and the earliest you draft a tight end. Jacob, you still got your boy, your starter jacket, Travis Kelsey, number one? I think so, yeah. I think I'm really curious to um, to dig into George Kittle's year a little bit more once the season's over um, because I think we've seen some really encouraging things from how San Francisco has used him compared to past years where they've actually allowed him to really reach like near 100% route involvement in games, which is something they really hadn't done much um, in the past. And I think if we can see that type of usage consistently, like he definitely – his George Kittle's per route rates have been consistently like the best of any player in the NFL, not just any tight end in terms mm-hmm. of his ability to draw targets and convert them into yards. So like if we see his role expanded fully in the way that it has been at points this year um, and feel confident that that may happen in 2022, I think there's a case for him to be tight end one. Um, but other than him, it's it's got to be Kelsey, right? I think so. Chris? Yeah, I mean, like Mark Andrews is having an incredible season. And he's what three points behind three points per game behind where Kelsey was last season. Yeah. Um, so it's like, like Mark Andrews is having the kind of season that typically ends up in the wide receiver one or tight end one, tight end two range. We've seen Travis Kelsey have the high, high upside season. We've seen George Kittle have the high, high upside season. We've what we're seeing from Mark Andrews is very, very good upside, but not quite to that same level. Uh, I, you know, I think for Andrews, the pass attempts have just been so high this year for the Ravens. Uh, if their run game looks different and good le- next year, the volume is mm-hmm. probably going to come down. Now let's do a top five. Well, actually, let's answer the second part. If we all have Kelsey as our number one tight end right now, is he a first-round pick? I don't think so. Yeah, it'll be hard to do that. But I, I think at least three tight ends, maybe four, should go in the first 30 picks. Like, I, I don't really have any concerns about Darren Waller once he's healthy. I know he wasn't as good this season, but it was also a really weird season in terms of his touchdown efficiency and in terms of his uh, yards per target efficiency in a way that I don't think was likely to sustain moving forward. So I think he'll be right in that discussion. I think when you look back at, at the last two years for Darren Waller, you're going to see that he's basically done everything in the last six games of 2020. I mean, that not everything, but he wasn't really that good before the last six games of 2020. Now, in 2019, he was terrific. But it's been a pretty bumpy ride, and then he kind of picked it up this year after the Henry Ruggs incident. He had 92 yards, 24 yards, and 116 yards in three games. Then he got hurt against Dallas. So I actually think I could make a case that there's been more bad than we realized for Darren Waller over the last couple of seasons. Kittle's got the injury issues, and we'll see how many touchdowns he ends up with, but usually not a lot in that offense. And then, then we'll see if Trey Lance is the quarterback, so that'll be interesting. Kyle Pitts will certainly have a case. He's going to have basically the best rookie tight end season since the merger. I think he's five. I, I think... What'll be interesting will be Waller versus Pitts. I think that'll be the interesting one this year because I could see people pushing Pitts ahead of Waller. Um, and it might not be the wrong decision. You know, like Kyle Pitts is 10th in fantasy points per game amongst tight ends. Ninth if you take out Logan Thomas, who only played five games, but we'll call him 10th. That's with one touchdown on 101 targets. 
that's nobody's done anything like that. None, none of these guys even yeah. touched his rookie season. Yeah, like he's so it's exciting. Yeah, he is. He he's averaging like nine point five yards per target. Is that right? As a rookie tight end, am I'm I looking sure. at that right? I'm not sure, but you know, because he's nine point four yards per target as a rookie tight end for Kyle Pitts. I mean that that is that's wild, ridiculous. He's absurdly talented. The only reason his season is a disappointment is one, the touchdown. He only has one. Uh, Matt Ryan has frustratingly like not. There was one point I think two weeks ago where he had Kyle Pitts one-on-one on the outside, and he didn't even look to that side of the field. Now, that's the play design as well as Matt Ryan, but, like, holy cow, what are we doing? How do you not look for that guy in the red zone more? So hopefully that'll be the case moving forward. Um, uh, give me your top and, five, uh, then. Go ahead, go ahead. You said yeah. he's five. Who's two? I don't even know who's two for you. I think it's Kelsey. I would go Kittle over Andrews, but I you flip a coin. Um and then Waller, and then Pitts. And I think Waller and Pitts will probably be pretty close. I think all five will end up going in the first four rounds. Jacob? Um, I think I pretty much mirror Chris's. I would throw Dallas Goddard's name in there as well. Sure. Um, he's been, like, really wildly efficient this season, and I don't know. I think it's kind of flown under the radar just because they've gone so run-heavy at the end of the year. Um, and so, like, if they're if they change it all next year and pass any more, then I think he could – definitely be part of this discussion. I mean, he's second among tight ends in yards per out run behind only Kittle on the season. Um, and and I, Pitts, is, Pitts is fourth. That's so crazy to me. He's yeah. fourth among tight ends averaging over two yards per out run, like in the situation that he's in. That's just amazing. Yeah, and like I would say with regards to Goddard and the Eagles passing game and whether they're going to throw more, I think you kind of have to assume they'll throw more than they have so in, in the last eight weeks at least because this is just – such an outlier low t- passing rate. And, you know, we've seen some other situations where like the Titans have really gone run heavy. And even that hasn't been totally consistent year over year. But they're the they Ravens. Went, what's that? <laughs> they're the Ravens. Right. Or, or the Ravens this season. Well, you know, that's because like, they lost their running backs. That, right, right. But there are things that can happen that can turn a low pass volume team into a, a high pass volume team, or at least a, a middling pass volume team. If you go from the lowest pass volume in the league to the 25th lowest, that's still probably 70 or 80 more pass attempts over the course of a season based on the way the last few seasons have worked. So I do think you you should assume that we'll see more passing from the Eagles over the course of next season. Then, you know, maybe the defense takes a step back, whatever happens like the, this is, Outliers tend to regress to the mean from one year to the next. Um, yeah. And so I, I do expect them to throw more. But yeah, his Dallas Goddard's pace since uh, the Zach Ertz trade is 965 yards on 89 targets with only four touchdowns. So it's the touchdowns that are really holding him back. He's been kind of like Mark Andrews. Yeah, but you know what? This season, take, take away the one game with, from Minshew. That was like 100 yards and two <laughs> touchdowns. Sure, it was 105 yards, but even if you take that away, he's still averaging, what, 55 yards per game. I mean, you're still talking about close to 900 yards over a six, 16-game season. I don't think he's in the the Pitts-Waller range, but I think he probably should be six. Okay, I mean, I think uh, Hawkinson will have a case. Maybe Fant if they have a big quarterback yeah. upgrade. I, Gronkowski's been fourth best per game in PPR this year. Uh, let's go to our last topic. Denver at the Chargers this week. And the Chargers really were have, playing pretty well against the run until Rex Burkhead just crushed them. 
last week it was weird. In fact, I even heard the broadcasters talk about how the, the Chargers acknowledged that since their bye week, they you know they felt like they had pretty good run defense, and they were. You, it was surprising. Look, you can't hope to you can you can only hope to slow Rex Burke. Yeah, as soon as David Johnson was out, I was like, oh. They're in trouble. So uh, this was also I read on ESPN. According to ESPN stats and information data, the Broncos ball carriers were hit at or behind the line of scrimmage on 13 of their 16 run plays against the Raiders in week 16. That's 81% of the time somebody was in the backfield. So terrible game for Gordon and Javante. You got a touchdown from Javante, but that's it. You only had 16 run plays. So Jacob at the Chargers next week. Do you trust the Broncos? Does it matter who the quarterback is? Can we, you know, because Javante, Melvin Gordon, these are guys we get questions about all the time. What, how are we approaching them as we start week 17? I wish we had a more clear answer, but the usage we saw last this week was really honestly discouraging, um, at least for Javante, who had like started to seemingly separate himself a little bit, but really he wasn't. It, in week 16, he wasn't playing more on passing downs or third downs or anything like that. He wasn't, I mean, it was basically back to a, even 50 50 split and so trust these guys no no I, I don't trust them even with what we saw rex burkett do i think they're low-end rb2s um i would rather start penny for sure um like we talked about earlier i just i don't know i have a hard time trusting either of them after what we saw in week 16 really even with a good matchup here's the thing they played they ran 42 offensive plays yesterday they didn't have a, a turnover that is almost impossible to, to run that few plays without turning the ball over. Now, one of their drives, the defense turned them over. They had one play drive. So that was part of it. But like they only had one fewer drive than Las Vegas. It was this was just a weird game in terms of like Las Vegas ran 27 more snaps than they did. They went one for on 10 offense. on third down. That's it. That right is there. just shocking. Like it's it's incredibly difficult. I think it was one of the 10 lowest passes. Uh, Offensive play volumes of the last decade, or something like that. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, I don't, do, pe- do people understand how low 42 is? Like, the lowest average is 55, yeah. like on the year. Like, Denver averages 62 plays per game. Like, that's yeah, this was so, like, low. in terms of snap counts and snap percentage and route share and all, like, I don't know how much you can take away from it just because the number itself was so low that yeah. you don't know, like, what the game plan was, and and you know, so. All of that, this is one of those games that, where it's almost impossible to take much away just because it was such an outlier performance in terms of the volume that this offense had. But that being said, like I, I think you're, you kind of have to view Javante and Gordon as mid, I, I think at best mid to low end RB2s. You know, they should have more volume next week. That's been the case, uh, you know, in the past, but. There have also been games in the past where Javante Williams has had eight carries and nine. I mean, the, the, those were earlier in the season, but he's not necessarily a guarantee for more than 15. I think it's unlikely that he gets more than 15 in any given week. So you're hoping for four to five targets. You're hoping for a touchdown and all those things, you know, have been there for him more often than not of late for Javante. Um, I really need to. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm hoping for Teddy Bridgewater. That's that. I, I, Bridgewater will check down to him. Lock probably yeah. not as much, and uh, Bridgewater's just better. Yeah, of course, right. You just you need their offense to be better. You need it to be competent and capable. And uh, I, I am forced to start Javante Williams in in a league, but I don't want to. But 
Yeah. Yeah. I think Penny it's, over him is an easy call. It's also unfortunate that, like, I don't think Teddy Bridgewater should play. Oh, yeah. You know what? I'm not going to let us go to the hospital, but like, yeah, like, but I think there's risk that. And I I guess there's risk there. But the doctors Um, would know. And, uh, you know, these these guys, this is their livelihood. I I, I mean, I had this, I think I debated this with Dave. He was talking about the Giants sitting Barkley or whatever. And it's like, this is what they do. This is what they do. They want to win. This is what, this is their job. This is their life. They want to play. If they they can play, they're going to play. Oh, I, I agree. Um, I'm just. I'm also just not sure Teddy Bridgewater is going to be cleared by that. Yeah. Oh, you know, for we've sure. We've seen several situations this season. JD McKissick being one who was placed on IR because of a concussion. Oh, uh, oh, oh. Miles Sanders is out this week. Well, there you go. Broken so hand. Boston Scott or Javante Williams? Both. I would, I, I would go, go both Javante Eagles guys. I think I go both Eagles guys. Well, I'll tell you what. Over. It, I'll tell you what. If if it's uh, if Bridgewater's back. And it's full PPR. I would probably go Howard, Javante, Sanders. In any other scenario, I'm sorry, Howard, Javante, Scott. Scott. I'd probably take the Eagles guys. But I have to think hmm. about that. I think I'd probably go Javante, but I think it'll be close. I think they're all going to be in the low-end RB2 range for me. Uh, also, Dario or Melvin Gordon? <laughs> um... <laughs> I will let you know when I do my ranking. <laughs> right now, I'm thinking it's Truth or Dare. <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw uh, something on oof. Bridgewater, by the way. Uh, Fangio said, we really don't have an update as to whether he will be available this week. We'll do the best thing for him moving forward. Yeah, That's it. I thought I also saw that if he cleared that he would start, but maybe yes, I'm making that, that that's, up. Vic Fangio did say that okay. last week. He said he's our starter, um, which really tells you what your lock's been doing in practice this season all right everybody isn't even considered a part of the question (laughs) we'll uh we'll talk to y'all later we'll talk to you tomorrow with the waiver wire thanks so much for listening for jacob and chris i'm adam have a great day and if you need something tonight good luck go get it get a win okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.